0: Welcome to America's Top Revitsons. In the merit of this class, may Hashem watch over all of the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Alon Benidit, Amir Ben Rachel, Amit Ben Badena, and Amit Ben Limor. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Revitsons YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. So today, I am very happy to welcome Michal Horowitz. Miha regularly teaches classes and presents guest lectures on various topics related, related to Torah, Judaism, and Jewish thought. Her goal is to bring the beauty, inspiration, and depth of Torah to others, no matter their age, their affiliation, or their prior Torah background. Miha believes that life can be beautiful, turbulent, joyous, and painful. She's right. <laughs> as complex as life is, it is the teachings and the wisdom of the Torah that helps to guide us along the way. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do.
1: Okay, thank you so much for having me, Vira. So my name is Micha Horowitz. I live in Woodmere, New York with my family on Long Island. And uh, like you said, I'm a teacher of Torah. Uh, But teaching Torah means that what we're teaching is teaching life. Um, About 10 years ago is when I started teaching not about uh, December 20, no, 13 years ago. December 2010, I gave the first year in my home. Uh, Before that, I uh, graduated York University combined with Brooklyn College, my bachelor's in speech and hearing, and then I received my my master's in audiology. That was in uh, May of 2003. And my life just took some interesting turns. And like everybody, I had some unique circumstances and challenges. And it was just not the right time for me to go to work to start practicing audiology due to personal situations. And then it was still not the right time for me to go to work practicing audiology due to personal situations. And then I had twin boys, thank God, who uh, were two months premature. So it was still not the right time for me to go to work teaching (laughs) audiology. And then my life just took interesting turns. And then at a certain point when my boys were three and a half uh, those are my youngest children, Baruch Hashem. Thank God they're turning 18 now. Thank you, wow. Hashem. Um, so I'm going back quite some time. And I was just, I was a very different person because our life situations change us very much. And for whatever reason, it was really divine inspiration. Unbeknownst to me, in the summer of 2010, somebody in my extended family was not well. I don't even know why I thought I could give a sheer. I said, well, let I me, mean, what could I do in their merit?" for their healing, for their and I gave a share in my house. I mailed out paper flyers. Um, could you imagine? Sounds like wow. when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> I printed the computer, paper, fires, and I mailed it out to people neighborhood. I don't know why people came. I had never given a Torah class before. I never given a share people. I wish I still had one of those. It was on purple paper. I wish I still had one of those flyers. Uh, for history's sake, who knew? <laughs> And that was my first year. And Amazing. obviously, Hashem had other plans for me. They don't want me to be an audiologist, which are very necessary and extremely important. But he wanted me to be a teacher of Torah. And it really snowballed very, very quickly. Uh, I teach many Torah classes, Baruch Hashem, throughout the week, mornings, afternoons, evenings, almost every weekend. I teach every night of the week. I, I do scholar in residence, Shabbatos, all across the world. I'm going out to Milwaukee next week. I've taught in Israel, I've taught in London, all over the United States, from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, My Zoom share, and reach audiences around the world. I have people who join me in Lifetime from um, um, Sydney, Australia, Melbourne, Australia. Someone joins me from South Africa. I have uh, thousands of shirim online, so I really spend time uh, teaching Torah, private sessions. Baruch Hashem, I just love it. Uh, the goal is really to make the Torah come alive and not only to connect closer to Akashrahu, to connect to the Almighty and His world and to uh, give us all the healthy dose of spirituality that we need to get to the confusion of this world. But not only does Torah connect us to Hashem and Torah make us more aware of who we are, Torah ultimately connects us to other Jews. And these are the three realms of divine service. Adam Makom, connecting me to God. Adam La helping me figure out who I am and what I am doing here. And Adam Adama how to deepen my connection and relationship with fellow Jews.
0: Wow, that's so beautiful. And that's actually, I love the way that you said it, because this is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm actually really, really excited about it. Because I know I know how passionate you are about Ahavaz Yisrael, about accepting and loving all Jews, regardless of their affiliation, their level of observance. And this is actually a commandment. The Torah states, you shall love your fellow Jew as you love yourself. So I want to see if you can please share your perspective about this particular commandment and why you feel it's so important and relevant to each and every one of us.
1: So like you said, Vira, this is actually a biblical commandment, biblical commandment what we call a Mitzvot al-Reisah. is given to us in Sefer Vayekra, Parak Yotas, Pasuk Yedches, Leviticus 19.18. The Torah says, You shall not take revenge nor bear a grudge against your fellow, and you shall love for your fellow what you love for yourself. I am God. So we have to go back if we want to understand the mitzvah. Why is it so important? Why is it relevant to each and every one of us? We have to go back and understand that it is a biblical imperative. Keep the Sabbath, observe Yom Kippur, don't eat laven on Pasach, blow the shofar blast on Rosh Hashanah. It is a biblical imperative from the Torah, which means we have to go back to the source, So we have to understand what the Torah wants from us. It's not some good piece of advice. It's not something optional I can do or I can't do. Just like we wouldn't say it's optional to keep the Sabbath. Now, maybe some Jews are not holding there yet, but at least we know that that's what the Torah wants from us. Just like it's not optional to eat pork or to not eat pork, it is prohibited by the Torah. This command is a biblical directive. Now, Rashi tells us you cannot learn Chumash without Rashi. The great commentator who lived about a thousand years ago in France. Rashi quotes the great Tana Rabbi Akiva, one of the greatest sages. Sorry, that's the uh I told you, if you hear pings to the audience, please excuse me. This is a Zoom call being done on Zoom meeting on my computer. If you hear pings, it means an email came in. There's nothing I can do about it. So uh, just sorry about it and please forgive. Okay. So the Torah tells us, you shall love for your fellow what you love for yourself. I am the Lord. And Rabbi Kiva tells us, as quoted by Rashi in his commentary, to Chamash, Amar Rabbi Akiva says, the great Tata Rabbi Akiva. When did Rabbi Kiva live? At the time of the Roman. Prussian. At the time, he lived in the aftermath of the destruction of the Second Temple. The uh, Talmud tells us many stories about Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues, and witnessing the destruction of the Second Temple. He himself was martyred by the Romans around the time of the Bar Kokhba rebellion, which was about 65 years after the destruction of the Second Temple. Rabbi Akiva comes along and he tells us, as quoted by love for your fellow while you love for yourself. This is one of the greatest principles of Torah. Now, why is it? It's important for us to understand who teaches us. This is one of the greatest principles of Torah. And that is our greatest, one of the greatest sages we've ever had, Rabbi Akiva. What do we know about Rabbi Akiva? We know a lot about Rabbi Akiva. There's a lot of teachings in Mishnah from Rabbi Akiva. There's a lot of teachings in the Talmud from Rabbi Akiva. However, what we know about Rabbi Akiva historically is that the Talmud tells us in Maseches, Ibama's tractate Yuvama 62B. Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students, 12,000 pairs of students means he had 24,000 students. And the Talmud tells us, they all died during one time period. What is the time period that they died during? So the Gemara says, from Pesach until what we call today Shavuos, during this seven week time period, the Gemara tells us very clearly why they all died. And the Gemara says, they did not give respect, they did not treat, another with, treat one another with kavod. Kavod is respect. Kavod is from the word kaved which means heavy. Something that I focus very much on my own learning and in my teaching is recognizing the root words, the shorashim in lashon HaKodesh, in the language of Torah. Kaved means heavy. Now we're not talking about physically heavy, we're talking about recognizing the weightiness in your fellow, the importance in your fellow. The great Rabbi Akiva who had 24,000 students, they all died during one time period, because they did not give honor, they did not recognize the weightiness in one another. Now, I know that this is a difficult Gemara to understand, it lends itself to a lot of questions. How could it be that the Talmidim of the great Rabbi Akiva did not show honor to one another? There are many ways on the level of the drash, deeper way to understand this, but we do have to understand the Gemara according to the simple level of understanding as well, which is that the Gemara is trying to tell us during those seven weeks, from the time of Yetziat Mitzrayim, Pasach, the Gemara clearly says that they died from Pesach, Passover, until at Tzaret, Shavua, seven weeks later. That is the time that we left Egypt, counting up to Matan Torah. The Gemara is clearly telling us that as we journey from slavery to freedom, from Egypt to Harsinai, from spiritual blindness to spiritual enlightenment that comes along with Torah, We must make a tikkun, we have to rectify or repair the failing, if we can say such a thing about the students of Rabbi Akiva, and we must show an extra degree of honor for our fellow students, for our fellow students, yes, for our students, and also for our fellow Jew, and that's why it's specifically, perhaps, Rabbi Akiva, who teaches us that love for your fellow, while you love for yourself, is a great principle of Torah, because he knew from personal experience, the Gemara continues to tell us, all the students died, and the world was desolate from Torah. So rabbi Akiva went to the south and started all over again with five. So there is no better sage, leader, rabbi, scholar, to teach us love for your fellow, you love for yourself is a great principle of Torah, than the great Rabbi Akiva who witnessed firsthand the devastation that results when there is a lack of honor between man and fellow man. Therefore, it's very important to understand who he is and why you, perhaps he taught us this. And now we need to bring it down to our days. And we need to understand that Kiva lived in a time when the Romans were oppressing the land of Judea, when they destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, when they were persecuting the great rabbinic scholars and sages of the time. If we are not united, if we can't come together as a cohesive whole, which we can only do when we love our fellow Jew, at what chance do we stand against the enemy? when we are not united, and when we are internally weak, that any mayor recognizes this is a great opportunity to try and gain the upper hand. If you've ever watched nature documentaries, if anyone listening to this has ever watched nature documentaries, you know that in um, the Masaimara Mara desert, Masai River, in the Great Plains, when the lions are hunting, when the cheetahs are hunting, The one they're looking to pick off of the herd is the one who separates from the herd. The weakest animal, the one who is lagging behind. There is great strength in numbers. There is great strength in numbers. And when we band together, which can only come when we love and respect each other, we are much stronger against the enemy than when we are divided. And when we are one stands here and one stands there. Now, it's very important to point out when we talk about love for your fellow, what you love for yourself. It doesn't mean we have to adopt the practices of another Jew if that is not our path. So if I or my Rav guides me or the Torah guides me that this is the appropriate path and another person is not yet holding on that path or they have a different method or mode of practice which may or may not be correct according to Torah, it's not for me to judge. It does not mean that I have to be like them if you know, I don't know if somebody that I know does not keep the Shabbos. So it doesn't mean that I should not keep the Shabbos. If it's a Torah practicing Jew, I have uh, the beauty of Shabbos and the halachos of Shabbos in my life. I need to leave the judgment up to God. I don't know anything about that person's lifestyle. I don't know about their background. I don't know about their upbringing. I don't know about their experiences. I don't know if I was in their situation. If I perhaps would be the same as them, I need to leave judgment up to God and give and love and accept each other. And that is our greatest strength against the enemy. In fact, a very great rabbi who was actually killed in Hungary in 1945 during the Holocaust, in his magnum, open, magnum opus work, which is called Eima Banam Smecha, which literally means the mothers of the sons rejoice. It was about the importance. He wrote it during the Holocaust in Heidegg. He was ultimately killed in 1945. And he read, he writes a very, very unique and beautiful interpretation of something that we say in the Pesach Seder every year. At the Pesach Seder every year, we say, now, It is this that has stood for our forefathers and us. Almost everyone is familiar with this passage. We raise the cup of wine. We sing it in a classic, you know, harmonious melody. It is this that has stood for our forefathers and us? Not one alone has risen up to destroy us. In every generation, they rise up to destroy us, and the Almighty saves us from their hand. The says, Ready? It is this that has stood for our forefathers and us? Shalo echad. When we are not one nation, when we are not united as one, bilvad that alone, Amadalainu the chalosina, is the greatest weapon that stands against us to destroy us. Shallo achad when we are not united as one, bilvad that alone, amadalenu the chalosina stands to destroy us. Therefore, when the enemy sees that we are not united and together, when we are not together, it gives them an in. If we're not united as one, which is the greatest detriment that stands against us to destroy us. Um, I have more to say, here. Did you want to comment or ask me anything? Well, I am a uh, because- no, no. You know, I just, I, I had, I had a question for you. I mean, you, you could definitely go
0: on about this topic, but I think this question is also part and parcel about the topic because it's so interesting that Hashem commands us with detailed instructions, you know, about doing things in our lives. Like you were saying, like keeping kosher, observing the Sabbath, and He commands us to pray three times a day and give tzedakah, which is charity. But however, this particular commandment that you're talking about, "You shall love your fellow Jew as yourself," involves the way that we feel. And I know that if Hashem commands us to do something, then we have to do it. Like you said, if he commands, it, if it's in the Torah, we have to do it. But my question is, how can we feel? Like, how can, command, how can Hashem command us to do, to feel a certain way? You know, it's like not like we're doing a certain action. He's commanding us to feel a certain way. For example, um, if there's someone, whether it's a spouse or a coworker or an in-law or a neighbor or just some fellow Jew who we find annoying and we don't like that person, how can we love that person
1: even though we don't like them? Okay, so it's a very good question. How does the Torah command us to have feelings, actions we understand what to do? So if you are commanded to get rid of all leaven over the holiday of passover so I know how to get rid of Khamit Samaha Pasach, how can I be commanded to feel? What's very, very important, I'm going to quote two sources for you. Two Torah sources that answer your question. Okay. It's an excellent question and has an important answer. First, I'm going to the Ramban, Nachmanides, the great Torah scholar, thinker, philosopher, Nachmanides. And the Ramban says as follows, and this is in his commentary to the book of Vayikra, chapter 19, verse 17. I'm going to quote the Ramban, and I'm going to translate it. And listen carefully, because it is the answer to your question. It's a very good question. I mean, how could the Torah tell us to feel something? You could tell me to do something, but how could you tell me to, feel something i'm a human being i'm not a robot i'm not a computer i can't push a button and you know bold the sentence okay push a button and bold love push a button and bold faith push a button and bold empathy like how does that work right the ramban answers brilliantly and importantly i'm going to quote the ramban and then i'm going to quote rafsham shem Okay. the ramban says quote the time the recha the truth is love for your fellow what you love for yourself is an exaggeration because the truth is that a person's heart cannot truly love his fellow like he loves his own soul i don't want to get into that there's a commandment from the Torah. The Rambat begins by telling you listen, we know human nature. Now, do we know human nature? Hakosh Baruch is aware of human nature. The Torah is aware of human nature. It is not possible, says the Rambat, it is not metaphysically, physically, spiritually, emotionally possible for a person's heart to love his friend like he actually loves his own self, because it's not your own self. Right. What is the mitzvah from the Torah? It is to love for your friend every matter like you would love for yourself. With all kinds of good. you love yourself, so you want to make sure you have three meals a day, whatever your eating pattern and your normal eating habits are. You should love for your fellow that he should also have three meals a day. Since you love yourself, you want to be warm in the winter. You want to have a coat. You want to have gloves. You want to have a sweater. You want to have heat in your house. You shall love for your friend that he should also be warm in the winter and have heat and warmth and, and light in his house. Furthermore, ba shelo amar va'ahavta et re'echa but Bikiva points out that the verse does not say vahafta et re'echa kamocha. Instead of saying et re'echa kamocha, it says l're'echa kamocha, love to your fellow. It doesn't say love your fellow like you love yourself. Love to or for your fellow what you love for yourself. There are times it is known that a person loves his friend. He wants it to be good for his friend. Let him be wealthy, but not let him be wealthy, but not so smart. And other matters like this. And if he truly loves his friend in all matters, Okay, fine, God. Give him wealth. Give him possessions. Give him honor. Give him wisdom. Give him knowledge. But not that he should be equal to be. The nature of man is that he really wants to have more than his friend in every matter. Read you know, something that emerges when a person starts to learn Torah and makes Torah an integral part of their lives is that Torah is so aware of the human condition, so realistic, and so applicable to all situations in our lives. When we start to delve into the Yam HaTorah, the sea of Torah, it opens up whole new vistas. We understand that Hashem understands me, and Torah understands me. And if it's not doable, it wouldn't be commanded. And if it is commanded, it's to enlighten me, to elevate me, to ennoble me, to live a higher life. Therefore, says the Ramban, v'yitzave hakasuv, pechisos The Torah commands you should not have this deficiency of jealousy in your heart. aval ohev ka'asher adam However, you should love that your friend should have a multitude of good, just like you have for yourself. You should not give limits to the love. Wow. Rabban is explaining that the truth is human nature. Is that fine? Let him have good, but well, I should have more. Let him have five brachos, but I should have ten brachos. Yeah. <laughs> and the rabban says, because the reality is, is that it is impossible to actually love another human, a friend, a havera like you love your own self. And a person must work to uproot the deficiency of jealousy that is in his heart. And he should not give limits to your love. So I think it's a very important Ramban because it reminds us that the Torah is aware of our deficiencies as human beings. Yes. And that we need to strive to overcome those. That's why we're in this world. Now I want to quote Rav Shamshar Hirsch. It was actually just Rav Shamsha Hirsch on the secular calendar date of his passing on December 31st. He died in Germany on December 31st, 1888. Rav Hirsch answers your question even more directly. Rav Hirsch says, this is the maxim, the principle that must guide all our social behavior in thought, word, and deed. Could you imagine if all of our behavior in thought, word and deed was guided by love for your fellow that you love for yourself but that's what it is that's what self refresh is the concept it is the commandment it is the directive that should guide our entire social behavior thought word deed the noblest of feelings towards god and towards man is ahava not only we commanded to love our fellow man we're commanded to love god you, Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord is one, Deuteronomy 6 4. And then what do we say? Deuteronomy 6 5. So we see that love is an integral component of the life of a Jew. Vis-a-vis God, 6 5. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources. And also, vis-a-vis fellow man, like we're speaking about today, Vayikra 19.18. What does it mean? It means, as Reverse, to give oneself up to another. And to draw one's others close to yourself. Love is to give something of yourself to another and thereby draw someone close to you. Think of any close relationship between two lovers. And I don't mean that uh, the way that uh, modern day English means. I mean between spouses, between best friends, between parent and child, between closest confidant. I don't know. Sometimes you have cousins or siblings who are extraordinary close. Why does it come from giving something of myself up? And when I do, whether it's time, doesn't have to be money. Time, food, warmth, a gear, Thereby drawing another person close to me. Both together constitute love, says Rav Hirsch. Giving up part of myself and drawing someone close to me constitutes love. Says Rav Hirsch, like the Ramban, and Rav Hirsch is probably basing himself on the Ramban who preceded him by like 500 years. Says Rav Hirsch, it does not say here, love your fellow, because... That would entail, listen carefully, viewer This answers your question. That would entail loving the personality of the other person as we love ourselves. Yes. That is a requirement that is, quote, impossible to fulfill. Everyone could go look this up. It's commentary from Shamsham Fowl Hirsch to Vayekwa, Yotash Yurchas, Leviticus 19.18. I'm quoting a verbatim. Loving the personality of another person as we love ourselves is a requirement that is impossible to fulfill. Yes. For the duty of love that is under discussion here is incumbent upon us in regard to all fellow men however love that relates to the personality of another depends on conditions that exist only seldom wow loving the personality of another person is a condition that exists only seldom i mean how many people in this world are we actually kindred spirits with as we journey through alam and the 70, 80, what does David Melech say in Tehillim chapter 90? How long are we here? 70 years? If he has great strength, 80 years. Today we give people a blessing, 120 years. How long are we here for in the span of history? And how many people's paths do we cross that we actually love and we feel we're so connected to as a total kindred spirit? You will absolutely love the personality of another person. <laughs> correct exactly right that's not what the commandment is it's important for us to understand what the torah wants from us so we can fulfill if the torah says clean out your and in so i have to know what's comments and i have to know what's masa. if the torah says take Lulu of an astral kadashim and a so i have to know what Hadasim and a rubber is. And Esra, don't take a lemon don't take a grapefruit don't take a lime. take an s i have to know what it is so i have to know what this is also So your question is an excellent question. What is the Torah commanding me to feel? The Torah is not commanding you to feel affinity with every other person you meet in this world because love relating to the personality of another depends on conditions that exist only seldom. And don't forget there, I'm ban set. I want more for myself. Fine, God, give him Osher, give him Kavan, give him Chachma, but don't give him everything that I have. I should have more. Ramban said we have to work to uproot the Bechisos of kina, the deficiency of jealousy from her. her says the Torah is very realistic. Loving the personality everyone you meet is based on harmony and affinity between the souls. What does Yehuda say? in Chapter 44 of Genesis, parak memdala barishis to the viceroy. Why can't Benjamin stay here? If Binyaman, the youngest son, stays here, father will die. Why will father die? Nafsho Sure benafsho. His soul is intertwined with his soul. Their souls are connected. How often? Is there affinity between the souls? says Rav quote, those are qualities found in few relationships. Yeah. However, says Rav the term L'Rei Echa refers not to the personality of another person, but to everything that pertains to his personality. So you want to be warm in the winter? Pertaining to his personality, you want him to be warm in the winter. You want to have food? You should have food. You want him to have friendship? You You want to have friendship? You should have friendship. All the circumstances that determine his position in life. To these, we are to direct our love. Quote, we are to seek his welfare just as we seek our own welfare. I want a roof. I want clothing. I need a car. Maybe for again, fill in your own blanks. Right. I want to be clean. I want to have food in my house. I think it's amazing yeah. <laughs> because I
0: really appreciate that you delineated that there is a difference because because when you just hear this commandment, let, if you don't know any better and if you just hear this commandment, you think, mm-hmm. how can God command you to love somebody when their personality really doesn't match yours? And you're right. Like, How many people do we really, really bond with? Do we really, really spiritually and soulfully connected with through a whole entire lifetime i mean for sure there are some for sure hundred percent whether it's it's a spouse or a best friend or a relative or a parent i mean definitely definitely there are people with whom we we, we bond spiritually it's a hundred percent but most people it's not like that most
1: people even if you know you said in your question if they annoy you let's just say yes. they don't agree let's just say you're neutral yeah you don't feel a great love towards them they don't annoy yes. you that's fine they're very nice people but you don't Feel you love them the way right. like you a person loves their spouse or their best friend or their parent or their closest confidant. I'm taking child out of this because that's part of a person. So that's a totally different category that can compare to no other relationship in the world. But it doesn't even have to be. You know, you stayed in the. Let's say there's someone annoying, and you're right. By the way, there are people who annoy us, but then there are people who are just neutral. They don't annoy yeah. me. I like them very much, but do I actually love them like yeah. I have myself says? They're in bando. You don't. Know. Time after an an exaggeration you actually don't you're correct go ahead sorry I interrupted you no no I think I
0: think it's a very very important point because it really is I like that you said that we're, we're loving the person like the human being like if we want for ourselves we should want for others we, you know we shouldn't try to steal from for other from others and take from others and I like that you brought about about jealousy because yeah human beings just they tend to be jealous not everybody I don't want to say everybody but For the most part, you know, I want and you could have two, but not more than me. You know, that's kind of like the prevailing theory, theory, like you were saying. But this is saying, you know, love your fellow Jew as you love yourself. You know, you want for yourself. So you should also want for for, um, your fellow Jew. And also, there's no limit. Hashem, you want a million dollars? Great. The other person could have a million dollars also. When it comes to what Hashem can give us, it's unlimited
1: that's what the ramban ends with if i know i quoted a long passage when i translate the last words of the ramban were yitain shuri b'ahava." you should not give limits right. don't give a measure to your love hashem is very big hashem could give me and he could give them What hashem gives me doesn't diminish what somebody else has so why shouldn't i daven in and go out of my way in whatever way possible sometimes it's concrete we can help a person actually have food have clothing have a roof have friendship sometimes we can. I don't want to use the word only daven because that's a very dangerous word when it comes to daven but sometimes our maximum hishtalus our effort is let's say they don't geographically live near us let's say we don't have a connection to them so daven for that but right. why should like you say there be a limit why can't they have everything good in their lives like I've, and if you notice and if the listeners notice since we started our interview when i said in english i only translated it as love for your fellow what you love for yourself, or love for your fellow as you love for yourself. And that's the correct translation. The accurate, Based on the Ramban and Rav Hirsch, the correct translation is not love your fellow like you love yourself. That's what's impossible. The correct translation is love for your fellow what you love for yourself. So I'm going to finish Rav Hirsch. We are to seek his welfare just like we seek our You don't need to be kindred spirits to know that you want the welfare of your neighbor down the block to be good also. We are to rejoice in his happiness as I rejoice in my own happiness. We grieve over his sorrow as though we're our own. By the way, that relates, unfortunately, so much today to the ongoing situation that we are as a nation facing. For, of course, for our soldiers on the front lines and their families. May God have mercy on the captives and their families, the hostages and their families. There are different degrees of those going out to battle today about uh, this war that has been launched upon us since October 7th, this brutal massacre beyond description, anyone who has read anything about the details of October 7th, this horrific crime against humanity and Klayushal that has been committed on October 7th in the brutal war since. I first just said we should rejoice in someone else's happiness as though we're our own and grieve over their sorrow as though we're our own. No one today can separate themselves. You know, the imperative of love for your fellow, what you love for yourself means, want for their welfare what you want for yours. Rejoice with them like you rejoice over yourself or your own smachal, your own happiness and grieve with them as well. And no one in Israel should feel that they are alone. Right. Whether it's in some concrete way showing support for those in Israel, paying a Shiva call if possible. You know, my husband and I and our, our one of our children were going to Israel but as Azar Hashem in two weeks. Please, God, we should all be out. Well. And the things I told my husband, I want to go to Har Herzl. And for I don't want to. No, that's incorrect. There'll be a zchot, a merit, an opportunity, a privilege to go to the Har Herzl. We were there a few years ago, but to Daven by to visit, to pay our respects by the graves of those soldiers who have fallen in this current. Melchama, this current war. So, yes, we should be happy for each other. We also have to learn to share in the sorrow of our fellow Jew. No matter where you are when you're listening to this podcast, any part of the world, this is a war launched against the entire Israel. By that, yeah. I mean the nation of Israel. Yes. These demonstrations in the streets, on the highways, in town squares, in plazas, in airports, in universities. It's time for us to come together. We have so many enemies who are waiting to slice, you know, and they come on October 7th, <clears throat> 3,000 terrorists. Their memories be blotted out, and rampaged through Israel. In some places, it took 48 hours for the IDF to gain control of the tents. They didn't knock on the door and say, what kind of kippah do you wear on your head? They didn't say to the woman, do you cover here or don't you cover here do you keep Shabbat or don't you keep Shabbat? Do you eat kosher or not eat kosher? I'm not saying, a person covers there like I do. Keep Shabbat and keeps kosher, so that's what we should keep doing. But we cannot be judging other Jews and basing our discrimination of how we feel about them based on that. That's up to the Rebbe Shalom. I must seek their welfare like I seek my own. 100%. Pray for their good like I pray for my own. Rejoice for myself like I rejoice for, rejoice for them like myself. Cry. 100%. Am yeah, I going to cry over myself? We are one nation. You know, Yaakov Avinu, we just had this last week's parasha. A couple days ago, we read the weekly Torah portion, pashas Vayechi, end of the book of Horatius, Yaakov Avinu is on his deathbed. And the last thing he does is he blesses his sons. Yaakov Avinu had 12 sons and one daughter. It became the shift call, the tribes, 12 tribes, and a daughter named Dina. All right before his death, what's the last thing he does? It's called Birkas Yaakov. It's chapter 49 in Genesis, Perikman Test, The blessings of Jacob. He blessed his sons. His sons were very different than each other. Mm-hmm. Reuven was the eldest. He was a very weak biblical personality. I'm not going to get into any of it now because there's no time. And it's not the topic of a podcast. But Reuven is fascinating, very weak biblical personality. But he's the eldest. Shimon and Levi have a certain rage. Genesis chapter 34, Perikman Talat. Alcohol criticizes that reach. A person must channel their passions in a positive way. Again, each picture is much more complicated than the two or three sentences that I'm denoting to the tribe. Each one deserves its own sheer. So, the point of this is not to start to explore the Mido, the personality, the actions of the tribes, or rather to prove the point which I'm coming to. Reuven, Shimon Levi, then we come to Yehuda. Yehuda is a king, Yehuda is mouthless, Yehuda is a lion, Yehuda wears a crown, Yehuda a scepter in his hand. Let me come to Yusakhur. Yusachar, is sits in Shiva and learns. Yusakhur wears white shirt and black pants and he establishes the calendar and goes out to teach Torah, Jewish calendar. Zvulin. Zvulin sails on the ships and goes out to do business. So, what do they wear when they sail on the ships? Cargo pants, jeans, t shirts that smell like fish. I don't know what they wear. Raincoats, ponchos. He doesn't look like any of his brothers so far. God is the troop. A troop will troop forth from God. God's wearing the soldier of the IDF uniform. Wearing the uniform of the IDF soldier. I said it backwards. What does Yaakov say to them? Yaakov, Genesis 49 verses one through two. Yaakov vayomer. Jacob calls his sons plural and he says, hey, gather around my bed. And Rashi says there, the You know why he called them around his deathbed? He wanted to tell them when Mashiach would come. You know when Mashiach will come? When you gather together around the bed of Jacob, your elder. When Ruven can stand next to the wrath of Shimon and Levi, can stand next to the kingship of Yehuda, can stand next to the black and white yeshiva garb of Isaac, can stand next to the sailors ruling, next to the troop of God, Asher, Shmeina Lachmo, the fatness, the richness, the wealth of Usher, when you can all stand together is different. I mean, could you imagine what it looked like? It must look like a pretty Molly crew standing around the bed of Jacob. Yes. It was not cohesive. It wasn't the kahila where everyone looks the exact same, whether it's the Hilltop Youth or the Rabbi Nachman or the Kipasuga or the Litfish or the Hasidish or the Breslov or the secular. I mean, it was a whole mix. Hey Asfu, gather together. When you're gathered together, and then I can tell you when the Gula will come.
0: It's the unity. It's the unity that we have to have together.
1: And then he says, come together as a kfutza, one group. And listen to Yisrael, your father. I want to finish with Hirsch. Shamsher Hirsch therefore says, we can direct our love to the circumstances that determine his position in life. We are to seek his welfare as we seek our welfare. Rejoice in his happiness as though it were our own. Grieve over his sorrow as though it were our own. Assist eagerly in advancing his welfare as though it were our own. And keep trouble away from him as though we ourselves are threatened by it. This requirement, says reverse, that we can fulfill even in connection with a person in whom we have no affinity. And that was your question, Vira. How can we could be commanded to feel? Torah is not actually commanding you to fear the Torah is commanding you to behave with a certain degree of respect, friendship, concern, and care for your fellow. This is a requirement we can fulfill even in connection with a person with whom we have no affinity. Listen, listen, fear. You. Your question was excellent. This requirement of love has nothing to do with the personality of the other. That is a quote. Now, of course, Ofers was written the origin in German. Whoever translated it over the years, I even remember growing up and my parents owned the old of Shamshar Frosch translation. Now I have the Feldham translation. But this requirement of love has nothing to do with the personality of the other. And now your question is answered. It is not based on any of his qualities. You know what it's based on? Of is brilliant. Remember the Pasik I quoted in the beginning. Leviticus 19 eighteen,tar do not take revenge nor bear grudge against your fellow. kamocha love for your fellow while you love yourself, I am shem. The last words of the verse are, "I am God." Yes. Desra of Hirsch The requirement is love has nothing to do with the personality of the other. It is based on the last two words of the verse: I am the Lord. In the name of God, this duty is assigned to us in regard to fellow men. Why? Because of Hirsch says, God gave all men their mission here. No one may fear another success, like you said, Hashem is very big, He could give to all of us. No one should fear another success or hope to prosper from his failure. No one may rejoice in his own success as long as his neighbor fails at his sight. I believe that these two interpretations together, Rabban and Rav Hirsch, answer your question. It's an important question, but it's an important answer, and all the listeners need to, we, Me, Michal Horowitz, we all need to internalize what the Chumash is telling us. We are commanded to love the best for our fellow like we love for ourselves. Right. So which brings me to, to, to my next question, which I think is very
0: interesting because, you know, our conversation will not be complete without fully addressing the commandment. So you actually said that the real translation of the commandment was love for your fellow what you love for yourself. I am Hashem. So, but, you know, a lot of people have struggles with themselves, with, with caring for themselves, with respecting themselves, with valuing themselves, you know, and if you can't value and respect and care for yourself, it makes it very difficult to want for another, what you want for yourself. It's a real struggle for some people. And it was, yeah. And you it was
1: for one second. Yeah. It's a struggle for- all of us, because all of us at some time or another, unless a person's totally narcissistic and think that they are absolutely perfect and the best thing since Adam, the world revolves around them. You said it's a struggle for some people. It's a struggle for everybody to varying degrees to always have the positive emotion and never hear in your head, why did you mess up? We all at times have that. Right. No, it's true.
0: It's true. And so I really want to give some some hizok, some strength to the people who maybe struggle with this more than others. You know, some people like really, really deeply struggle with this. So can you uh, maybe share with us some strategies for people so they can really truly and deeply care for themselves and respect for themselves and value themselves as human beings?
1: So it's another beautiful question. And it's absolutely true. You must love for your fellow. But first, kamuoha, you must love yourself. Right. If a person, to an extreme degree, struggles with appreciating their own self-worth, struggles with loving themselves and appreciating who they are, it will be very, very difficult to have healthy relationships with other people. Yes. So I am going to quote for you a number of Torah sources that do address this. Okay. I hope everyone's having a good time. I am having a good time. I love Torah. I love sharing Torah. And I, you see that it relates to all human interaction and human personality. Like, uh, you sure. know, you don't have to be sitting and darshaning Arashi, which we did. Uh, uh, how Torah is so applicable and addresses every human experience. Yes. Okay. I'm going to quote for you a number of Torah sources. Of HaKoyan Mi Lublin was a famous tzaddik from Lublin. He died in 1900. So this is a more recent Torah source. Sadaka Koyn of Lublin famously teaches in his Tzid Kast Sadak, it's actually based on Az Yashir, the end of Perikidad, chapter 14 of Exodus, but I don't want to get into what it's based on. But he teaches, Just like a person must believe in God. So to after he must believe in himself. Just like a man must believe in God. Person must believe in himself. It's very, very important. Yes. Believe in yourself means not that I'm God. That was Pharaoh. Who is God that I chose into his voice? I don't know God and I'm not sending forth the Israelites. Exodus chapter five, verse two. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about a person understanding that he is a worth. And if God put him into this world, he must believe that he is the, to paraphrase, Rabbi Zavloff, talents, abilities, and capabilities to fulfill his mission in this world. The Abba Rabbi famously said, it's brought down in the book, Rabbi, by Joseph Telushkin, which is an incredible book. If our listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend it. I don't work for them. I just was very, very taken by that book. It's called Rabbi, by Joseph Telushkin. The Ababa Rabbi said, the day you were born, is the day that God decided the world cannot be without you. If you are here, you are important. Because yes. if you were not important, you would not be here. Rabbi Zavlav Shlita, the Rav Moshe Matityahu, says, what is the difference between arrogance, gaiva, conceit, and healthy self-confidence, which is necessary for Avodah Hashem? If a person does not love themselves or believe in themselves, you think, why does God want to hear from me? Then I'm a shmata, I'm a doormat." In order to fulfill mitzvah, a person must believe in themselves. You must believe that you have worth and God wants to hear from you. Right. And God is interested in your commandments. If a person puts himself down so much from not loving himself, and he doesn't appreciate as it, any worth before a kashmarach? Right, says, what's the difference between conceit and healthy self-confidence? Gaiva is, I am great, period. Healthy self-confidence is, I am great because God made me great. If Hashem put me here, it's with a certain mission to fulfill that no one else on the planet could fulfill. And when we wake up every single morning, the first prayer that we say in the day, before we wash our hands, before we get up, thankful am I before you, the living living and everlasting King, that you return my soul to me with compassion. And what are the last two words? That's strange. What does Rabbim mean? How great is your faithfulness? What? Shouldn't it say, how great is my faithfulness? Thankful am I before you, the living and everlasting that you return my soul to me with compassion. How great is my faithfulness? Why do we end by saying, how great is your faithfulness? What does that mean? Every day when we start the day, we say, Rabbah, it's a new day. Even if I messed up yesterday, and by the way, have a service announcement: We're human beings, so it's inevitable that you're going to mess up at some point or another. Not to insult anybody, not to set up a self-fulfilling prophecies, but it's going to happen. If we're human beings, we have HR. If we have HR, we're going to sin. Recommending it, but sometimes it's going to happen. Then you might think, wow, how could I love myself? How could God love me? Look at the Lash and Her I just spoke. You wake up in the morning and you say, God, you gave me back my soul. It's a new day. The day you gave me back my soul is the day God decided the world can't be without me means how great is God's faithfulness in me not how great is my faith in God how great is his faith in me Amen. I don't know better than Hashem so if Hashem believes I could get the job done and he put me here with a purpose self-talk is very important the pasuk says in I believe I have a munah because I spoke about a munah sometimes you need to build yourself up you need to speak about having a munah in yourself I'm yes. important because I am a child of Hashem I am important because I am part of Amisra. I am important because this is what I did in life today, X, Y, and Z. I am important because I have an Ashtama. I have a holy soul that is within me. I am important because God gave me talents, abilities, and capabilities that no one else can mimic. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Tractate Sanhedrin, Laman Zion, Aleph 37a, that man was created alone. And the Gemara there gives a lot of reasons. Why was Adam created alone? I mean, I'm talking about going back to Adam, the first man. Why was he created alone? You know, Hashem could have made him created with his wife. Or he could have made the whole family. Or he could have made a world populated by 10 million people. Why was Adam created alone? So the Gemara goes to a number of different reasons of why man was created alone. But one thing the Gemara says, one of the reasons is, Adam Man was created alone because every person should feel he is... Adam and the whole world was created for me. So you are correct. It's important to note that sometimes people struggle beyond deriving chizek from a podcast, an interview, or a Torah lecture. And in those cases, it is very important to seek professional help. Yes, it is really goes beyond just feeling down sometimes about yourself. But for those who just sometimes are too hard on themselves or feel down about themselves, by the way, it doesn't mean you should never feel bad about yourself because that's impetus to repentance. That's right. also an important feeling. God gave us that feeling to spur us to be better and to improve. But we have to remember that every day is a new day. Rabbah Munasechah, God believes in me. Chayv Adam Lomer, Sanhedrin 37, bro, and the whole world was created for me. And like what Sadaka Koin Lublin says, I must believe in God, but I also must believe in myself. Only when we believe in our own self-worth that we have something to contribute here that is productive and healthy and important to God, important to the nation, important to our community, important to our land, important to our people, then we can branch out to loving other people. But the first stage is appreciating who you are, who I am. You know, maybe a person who said, you know, tools to give someone chizek, strength, Someone who's struggling with this. Maybe at the end of every day, for someone who's really struggling, take a notebook, I'm not joking, write down three things positive that you did that day. You it's not gaiva. It's not, it's not, what's the word I'm looking for? Conceit. It's not arrogance. A person who needs to learn to love themselves, besides remembering Milublin, the Labhava Chirabba, Rabbi Lev, Sanhedrin 37a, and Modani. So I gave you five Torah sources. Besides for that, maybe practically take a notebook. I am great because may, God may be great. Write that at the top of your notebook. It's a phrase from Rabbi Lev. Every day, even if you're having a day where you feel like you messed up on everything, you said the wrong thing to your kids, you were rude to your spouse, you didn't prepare dinner, the laundry list didn't get done, you had a terrible meeting at work, you didn't get the order in on time, like just everything failed today. Write down three things you did good today. You breathed, write it down. You prayed, mincha, write it down. You said a chapter of Dillam, you listened to this podcast, you did one good thing, write it down. It helps a person come to healthy appreciation of self. Which leads to healthy service of God. Which leads to healthy interaction with fellow human beings. After isn't it beautiful? It's like a symphony. It all comes together.
0: It's so gorgeous. It really, it really, really does come together. And I love the way that you brought it together. It's really, really so special. And, you know, once we do deepen our self-worth and self-respect, we really need to recognize, I love what you said, that we are here because Hashem wants us here. We have something to contribute. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. I mean, it's really, really that That's exactly
1: right. That's you right. would not have been born.
0: That's right. And so uh, we have time, just a tiny bit of time. I want to ask you one last question, just because I think it's important. I think it will go to tie everything together. You know, I I want to say that loving your fellow Jews it's not just a lofty concept. It's really a way of life that has the potential to elevate us and create an ease with which we interact with others, like we've been saying. So I want to ask you if you can please share maybe just a story about either yourself or somebody you know who has seen a positive change in their lives by the way that they interact with their fellow Jews, that it really does make a difference in the way that you treat your fellow Jews.
1: So I'm going to tell two brief stories, not of myself, but about um, Godolim. But I think that anyone who strives to put aside feelings of animosity towards fellow Jews and works on embracing the concept that we spoke about today in the way we learned what the command actually means today, will see a very positive change in their life. Because someone who exudes love for God and love for fellow man, which are both biblical imperatives, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your resources, love for your fellow man, what you love for yourself, you know, it's interesting. If you look in Chumash, Targum Unkus, our Aramaic commentator to Chumash, comments, translates, Ahava in Chumash. Anytime you have the root word love in Chumash, Targum Unkus translates it as Reish Chasmem, Rachem. What does Reish mean? Mercy. Mercy. Mm-hmm. When a person becomes a loving person, they become a more compassionate, kinder, or merciful person. Then they increase Achtos amongst Kaisa, unity. And we can gather around the bed of Jacob and hear when the end will come. I'm going to end with two small points. They both relate personally to my family. The first one is a story with Raviosef Yosef Tandler. Rav Yosef Tandler was the principal of Ner Yisrael Baltimore for many years. He was my husband's rabbi and he actually came to Toronto to be Masada Kedushin at our wedding. He married us. Nice. This is brought down the Rav Yosef Tandler biography, the art school biography. It's called, I am your servant. A certain Bachar, a certain high school boy, was sent out of English class. He was told to report to the office of the Menahel. Rabbi, Rabbi Tender, why were you asked to leave class? says Rabbi Tender. My husband was very, very close to Rabbi Tender. Why were you asked to leave class? Rabbi Tender to the boy. I don't like the teacher, said the boy. Rabbi Tender said, what do you mean? He's a Jew. You have to like him. Rabbi, it's hard. I really don't like him. Rabbi Tender said, give him presents, and then you will like him. And with that, the boy was dismissed. When uh, we learn to give to people we don't necessarily feel affinity for it will increase love. by the way, talking about root words, ahava, the root of Ahava is hey bet hey bet in, chumash, in Biblical in Hakodesh Hebrew, means to give Genesis thirtys chapter one through Genesis chapter three verses one through two means to give the more you give, it's contrary to modern day Culture. The more you take, the more you love. No, 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 no. The more you give, the more you love. This is one benefit that we will see. And again, it could be giving time, giving an ear, giving food, giving warmth, giving friendship. When we learn to give, we become merciful. Unklus, Ahava izrachim, And We increase unity. And the last story, which ties up our whole sheer is Rav Naftali Tzvimi Rapshitz. Rav Naftali, Rav Naftali Tzvimi Famous Rapshitz a rabbi. He died in 1827. He's buried in Poland. He is my husband's eighth great-grandfather, Benachar Ben. Achorben. My husband is a son after son descendant, eight generations from the Rabshetsu Rebbe. My boys are the ninth generation. So Yosef Tandler married us. That was my husband's rabbi. Rav Neftali Tzvi Rabshus is my husband's eighth great-grandfather. Rav Neftali Tzvi Rabshus was an extremely bright child. He was known for his humor and his wit. In his old age, he once reminisced. He learned the mid of Ahava Yisrael, during one of his learning sessions with his melamed, with his cheder melamed, his rabbi when he was a little boy, the melamed was teaching the boys chamesh. And the melamed taught the boys, if you see two yods, the Hebrew small Hebrew letter, yod and a next to each other, you should read it as the name of Hashem, which I'm not going to pronounce. We don't pronounce it, but it reads the name of Hashem, two little yod Later, Rav Naftali Tzvi was reading. He came to the end of the Pasuk in the printed of chamesh, and there was a colon at the end of the Pasuk, two dots, one on top of another. He assumed that's two yods together. And he read it like the name of Hashem. The Malamid was extremely upset. He gave him a patch on his hand. And he said, if two Yids are next to each other, it's the name of Hashem. If one Yid is on top of each other, it's not the name of Hashem. It's nothing. But if Talitzi said, from that Melamed, they learned the lesson. When two Yidin, plural of Yid, Yidin. Right, to play on words. The letter Yid, Yidin means Jews. When two Yidin are next to each other, it creates the name of Hashem and the presence of God in this world. And brings wow. God between them. But when one yid is on top of another, and he holds himself to be above his fellow, Hashem's name there does not rest, and that is worthless. I think, you know, when we hear these lessons, when I hear these lessons, it's easy to think, what does somebody else have to do to improve their Ahavas Hashem? Words that emanate from the heart enter the heart must enter my heart. If the are interested, their heart we have to find ways, especially during this of this time when the enemy has risen up to destroy Am Yisrael. Once again, you have to remember we have one nation. Ah, Rav Salvation says, Am Yisrael, to end. Am Yisrael, it's the same letters as Im Yisrael. Ayin Mem is Am, the nation of Israel. Ayin Mem with a Chirik spells Im Yisrael. You want to be part of the nation of Israel? Im Yisrael. You must be with your fellow Jew to be part of Am Yisrael. It's so beautiful.
0: And that does tie it up so beautifully. I love it. Thank you so much for really helping us to deeply understand this mitzvah, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't fully understand it until you explained it to me. And you explained it to me so beautifully and so practically, like this is something that I know I personally can do. And hopefully that those who are listening can also start implementing love your fellow Jew, love for your fellow Jew, what you love for yourself. It's really, really a great distinction. So thank you. Thank you so much, Michal, for joining us on America's Top Rabbitsons. And in the merit of this class, may Hashem watch over all the Jewish people and give enormous strength to the IDF soldiers, including Alon ben Edit, Amir ben Rachel, Amit bat Dana, and Amit ben Limor. Thank you so much again.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Vera.